Hey guys, welcome back to the Speak Up podcast, the show where we talk about everything marketing and entrepreneurship. Today we have a chat with Badis Khalfalla. He is the co-founder of Implement, which is a brand dedicated to helping marketers and founders succeed. He's done a whole bunch of things. He's co-founded multiple companies and he's also written a book. And most recently, he's the host of the Implement podcast, in which he's interviewed over 70 people in just 4 months. Today we chat with him about his journey, how he reached where he is today. We learn from him about his experiences hosting his podcast, and we get his advice for young entrepreneurs. Among a whole bunch of different really interesting things. I think this episode turned out to be quite interesting and we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed creating it. Cool. Nice to meet you and uh, so maybe I can introduce myself. Uh, so my name is Badis um, and I'm the co-founder of Implement. Uh, so Implement uh, basically it's a brand for marketers and founders. Uh, and what we mainly do is produce content so that's really our pri- primary product um and uh, so we have a really cool newsletter uh, that I invite uh, listeners to to go and join uh, and we do have a podcast um so that's mainly what i spend my my time doing um and recently we have uh, launched uh, something called the implement school which is uh, a learning platform uh, basically you have uh, video courses there for for marketers and founders um and we're going to probably be launching some uh, live courses as well soon um and finally the third uh, thing we're doing at implement and this is something that uh, uh my well, my wife spends more time managing because i do work with my wife so she's the the co-founder of the company um and it's called the implement studio and it's basically um a bubble a bubble agency so bubble uh, it's a no code technology i don't know if you you heard about it uh that basically uh you know lets you build apps um with actually very little technical knowledge uh but you still do need some technical knowledge and this is where we we intervene uh so we mainly work with uh, um you know with uh, with founders we we build apps for internal purposes as well so you know front facing and internal facing apps um so yeah this is what we do at implement and i think what we'll probably spend more time discussing uh, as you guys are you know uh, launching this new podcast project is probably my own experience as a podcast host um and uh, yeah so do you want to maybe talk about that a little bit yeah but you know before we get into the podcast i had a couple of points that i picked up on what he just said so sure. firstly about implement You know so you say it's it's a brand for marketers so is it something like an umbrella term where it, it's it's basically yeah. yeah like an like an umbrella brand of a bunch of different things yeah so the way it evolved actually um so implement was launched uh, about a year and 3 months ago so something like that um and initially it was a um, a very startupy concept uh, basically we tried to launch the udemy of live courses so that was the idea so we were kind of excited by this idea with lucy and we were like hey let's uh, Uh, you know everybody's in love with boot camps um and uh but most of what you can find online uh, is uh, is is video course so let's let's try something different let's build a, a marketplace for for live courses um unfortunately it didn't work out that well <laughs> so uh, in december we decided to to drop the project and completely change what we do um except that we had absolutely no idea of what to do next um what we had was a very small mailing list um and so we decided to salvage what we could salvage so we took that and uh uh we said hey let's uh let's uh, you know figuring out what we want to do as a sort of a product and stuff like that 
let's build an audience first. Let's uh, let's produce content, which is really what uh, you know is going to make or break any company these days. Um, and this is what we started doing. So I launched uh, the podcast and the, the newsletter by then. And then we were like, hey, we still want to sell courses. So why not just, uh, you know, open up a little platform there we, that we built with Bubble, actually, um, and, and see, and see what, it, uh, what it takes to grow it. So this is what we did a few months ago, actually, uh, not even a few months ago, like a month and a half ago. Um, and um, at the same time, Lucy is starting to get uh, famous in the Bubble space. Uh, yeah. So she's getting inquiries by companies and uh, large, large ones and small ones that, you know, are like, hey, let's, uh, uh, let's work together. We need help on this. Uh, um, and this is how we sort of came up with the Implement Studio as well. So it's a, it's a bootstrap business and this is where we headed. Uh, we would love to be in the few years, uh, a very large uh, community of, of marketers and founders that uh, consume the newsletter, consume the podcast and sort of hang out with, uh, with us. Um, and also, you know, sell courses and sell consulting, which is uh, sort of the, um, uh, you know, the, the shape of many bootstrap businesses these days. They don't just do one thing. They have usually, you know, uh, one or two projects, uh, uh, products, sorry. Um, and the common denominator is usually the audience. Like you, you have a, uh, underlying, you have a mailing list, you have something that is delivering um, eyeballs to, you know, all the products that uh, that are sustained by 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 the brand. So yeah, it, it is a sort of umbrella brand, but it's a bit. Uh, um, how can I say this? Uh, it's not really humble to say it that way because you know we're not L'Oreal, obviously. So <laughs> we're a two-people team with no budget and no money. But uh, yeah, you could call it an umbrella brand if you want. That's super cool. Honestly, like this is a con like an umbrella brand for marketers is something super super cool. Uh, and it's something that I've never heard about before, which is what makes it really unique. And one point, another point that I picked up on what he just said again was that build an audience first. I think that's such a cool way to go about it because I feel like once you've built an audience, you can really do a lot with the same audience, right? Oh yeah. So I guess that, that's, that's what you're trying to do with your podcast and your newsletter, where you, even yeah, though you yeah. don't know what's going to happen next, you just know that you have these whole bunch of people who are like warm leads uh, yeah. for you to target later on. Yeah, I mean, listen, like the, the the markets are saturated these days, especially if you're selling online. Um, it's very, very hard to bring to bring something unique to the table, um, you know. So unless you have a lot of capital, you have, uh, I mean, or you have a lot of uh, experience or you have something that, but it's it's really hard to bring a new product there. So um, what what makes or breaks a product these days is just how many people can you reach and how many people like what you do and want to and trust you. Um, and I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced by this. Um, and if you do have the audience, well, you can always launch another product, um, and you can monetize the audience just by selling media and doing partnerships and things like that. Uh, if you you know invest everything into a product, which was which we kind of did uh, you know last year by just investing so much time into a marketplace that ended up like going nowhere, um, it, it's uh, there's no real asset you know unless you're able to bring that audience, which you're going to do anyway. Um, so it's it's the only uh, asset right now online, I think. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm of course I'm not talking um, obviously skills and. Uh, like human capital, uh, etc. It's the it's the ultimate asset, of course, and this is this is where you need to build yourself. But uh, as a you know business wise, you sell because you have people who follow what you do because you have a, a mailing list that that uh, that is engaged 
because people people watch your YouTube channel because people listen to your podcast. This is how you sell anything these days. And and thinking otherwise, um, it, it's it's pretty immature. And uh, a lot of founders are just obsessed by their product, uh, and uh, you know they they have this mindset that their product is unique and it's gonna you know make the difference. But it, it's not the case anymore. And uh, anyone with a brain and uh, and five dollars can start something online. So yeah. And what's interesting right now is also that it's never been easier to build an audience online as it is right now. Yeah, it's very accessible. Like the barrier to entry is quite low. Because you mentioned on one of on another LinkedIn post of yours that you know you st- you started recording your podcast with like a mic that's like eight years old. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm using the same mic right now. I'm <laughs> I'm 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 gonna buy a really cool one soon, but. Uh, I mean, one that, uh, you know, fits the purpose. Uh, no, I'm using very like old stuff. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was just talking about this topic um, a few hours ago with Lucy and we were just talking about this and we were sort of comparing the, um, you know, the, the, the kind of cost of starting a, an old traditional business, like opening a shop in your neighborhood. Okay. So let's say you want to open a small boutique and sell whatever. Uh, this is going to cost you money straight away. Like you need to, you need to rent the space. You need to uh, buy inventory. You need to hire probably people because you know you can do it alone. Uh, so you're gonna, you're gonna need a startup cost that is, is can can go really high. Online, it's different. You can start a business for two hundred dollars basically. Um, but with two hundred dollars, you won't really go that far, to be honest. Like it's, uh, it's. Um, uh, like yes, you can do it, but it only takes you so far. And at some point, you're gonna start. You're gonna need to invest. Uh, you're gonna, of course, need to invest a lot of time uh, because that's like uh, the the that's non-negotiable. But also, you're gonna need to invest cash. And uh, uh, we we are starting to 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 do a little bit of paid as well. Uh, we like you need that uh, because at the end of the day, um, you open a store. You're gonna have foot traffic, like um, I mean, unless you're in a like a shitty street with no one passing by. But if you choose your location well, people are gonna pass by, and this is where what you're actually buying when you open a store. Online, there is no natural traffic unless you know you rely on Google uh, and on social media. But that takes takes so much time to build up. And uh, right now, um, you can do it. You can do all, everything organic, uh, no paid, nothing. But yeah, at the end of the day, and you can, so you can do it for $200, but at the end of the day, you can go really much faster with, uh, you know, a little bit of budget. And this is what most startups are doing. You know, they're, they're raising money just because they need that, uh, uh, they need that traffic and they need that, uh, you know, to, to, to buy the store. Like they need to <laughs> a place for people to come and, and, uh, and see what they do. Otherwise you're just invisible. Uh, so yeah, you can go so far with $200, but honestly, it's, it can take you years and there's absolutely no guarantee of, uh, of going anywhere. And you know what they say that if you're losing money by running ads, you're probably doing the ads wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess what you're saying, yeah, it's it's, it's completely right. Yeah, I but, mean, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, but yeah, no, you, you you can go on. I was gonna switch to talk about the podcast, but I want you to I want to. to no, I'm 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 done. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm done with my with my lesson. I'm doing air <laughs> listening. No, that was that was honestly really really interesting. But yeah, speaking about the podcast, like, so you've recorded more than 70 episodes till now. And, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, even so this entire week, you've been just doing a whole bunch of podcasts. So is that what your day looks like? You, you just spend most of your time on the podcast right now? Yeah. Um, so let me tell you now about what I've been doing this week. Um, 
So how can I probably approach your question? So the first thing I, I'd like to say is that um, podcasting is, it's a very simple process. You invite people. I mean, if you want to do like a guest uh, sort of uh, thing, uh, you can do it alone as well. But let's say you want to do interviews. You invite people, you record, and then there's this whole editing uh, slash uh, posting and promoting the podcast. Um, the first part of inviting people and recording, this that's the easy part. Okay, it's very easy. And actually, you can uh, invite and record people on a very short frame. Uh, so what I do usually is that I, I, I'm going to dedicate like a whole week to, to just like almost like to recording. So I'm going to record uh, an episode or two per, per day and then just uh, have enough to last me for a while. Um, but after that, you need to do some editing, just, uh, you know, even a tiny bit of editing, because uh, let's say you're doing this, um, even if you're doing this by, by Zoom, uh, you're going to have um, uh, you know, connectivity issues, uh, uh, you know, sometimes the guest wants to review the podcast before it's published. So you're going to do a little bit of work. Um, and after that comes the sort of the hard part, which is the promotion as well. Uh, and so, you know, if you can sort of organize this process between, you know, inv invitation to promotion, um, in a way that suits you, you know, there's there, like, um, what I mean is that there's, there's, there's probably a thousand ways to arrange this. Um, so what I like to do, and maybe other people don't do that that way, is that uh, I like to sort of concentrate my recording. So I haven't recorded an episode for about two months now. Um, so even when I, when people reach out to me and say, hey, would you, you know, I'd love to come to your podcast, etc. I'm like, hey, I'm not recording, but I'll, I'll just keep your name and, and, and call you up, you know, in a few months when I, when I start recording season again. Um, but the, the main thing I didn't figure out, uh, you know, while uh, building all this podcast, but because I started this six months ago, so it's like, it's super new, uh, is the promotion part is, this is where it's, it's difficult. Uh, and this is where probably, you know, we should, we should spend a bit more time on, uh, but, um, in the promotion phase, uh, you know, you can't do like a thousand things, but there's one thing you can do is get some clips out of your podcast, uh, and out of the you know, the recording. Um, and I haven't done that for a lot of episodes. I started doing this like just uh, recently. And so this week I had 50 episodes to, um, you know, fr from which I had to extract uh, a few clips. Um, and so I did that and that was absolutely brutal. That was like, <laughs> I will never, uh, you know, skip on this again because Right now, you know, what I'm going to do, and I swear to myself, is uh, every time I publish an episode, there's already the extracts ready to be published on YouTube and in social media, because otherwise it's just a huge backlog uh, that is, uh, you know, it's insanely painful to, to go through that again. But anyways, um, uh, so what my day looks like podcasting, it's really fragmented over many weeks, many months. Uh, I have episodes I recorded you know, uh, three, four months ago that I haven't published yet. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the, the, you have to understand that the recording is totally, uh, you know, different from the, the, the promotion phase and the posting phase. And there can be months in between them. Everything is, especially if it's a never green content, um, you could post it in a year and it's going to be fine as well. It's going to be valuable as well. So um, I'd say that right now, um, where I'd like to spend more time on is, is the distribution, uh, because I have, right now, I just started posting on YouTube the clips, 
Um, I have uh, over 84 clips um, that I'm going to start posting on YouTube, but I have zero audience on YouTube, so I need to build that channel. Um, and uh, and yeah, I have a lot of work to do on um, indexing the podcast, you know, so that if you type, you know, best marketing podcast on Google, you're going to find me as well, uh, things like that. So that's really where it's it's painful. And uh, just to sort of end, end here, um, you know, like any other content project, uh, you're going to spend 80% of your time on promotion. I mean, that's what you should do because the production part is easy. Inviting people, recording, it's fun. It's easy. It's uh, it, just like we're doing here. It's, it's fun. I mean, uh, I'm having a good time at least. So it's, uh, yeah. So was that, does that answer your question? Oh yeah, that definitely it does. And, but, but that's, that's okay. Let me, let me, let me take that in a bit. So one of the questions that I that I had was that, so how did you come up with the idea of starting a podcast specifically? Like, is the audience for a podcast a lot in France? Or like, where's your audience? Okay, to, so maybe to start with, where's your audience located for Implement, for the most part? Um, so talking about an audience is is a kind of an overstatement. It's not that big. Like we we have um, over you know fifteen hundred uh, listens so far. And uh, each episode is like, it's between 30 to um, a bit over 60 on like on, on average, you know, between 30 and 60 uh, listens um, on the, you know, on the first few weeks of, of release. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not that, um, that popular yet. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, this is why I told you I need to spend a lot more time on promotion. Um, but the audience is um, it's kind of it's kind of uh, located like uh, in a lot of different places. I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, I know it's located in the, in the US and the UK primarily and uh, in France and Switzerland. So this is what like uh, uh, Spotify data gives me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who is listening? Really? I don't really know. Like I know people who come to me and say, uh, you do listen. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> All right. So amazing. So um, you're one of my two listeners. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not easy to, to, to get that data because it's so, um, uh, you know, it's not like YouTube or, or your website with a, you have analytics, you have all the data. I don't know who listens to, to like each episode. And I don't know if people just pick one episode that they want to listen to and, and, and then not listen to 10 episodes after that and just come back to it. So this is something, you know, it's, it's actually uh, something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, so I've, I've recently published um, a case study on, uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast, the Joe Rogan experience. So it's like one of the most you know famous podcasts out there. Uh, you know, if, if you know, if, if people listening don't know about Joe Rogan, he's like, he's like the new Oprah for, for men, basically. Uh, he's reaching like 200 million people per, per month. It's absolutely huge. Um, and I think what he understood with his podcast, and that's something that I see with a lot of other podcasts in this interview format as well, is that you need to uh, produce uh, a wide range of products. So you need to make a lot of people happy. So, uh, you know, for example, he on his podcast, he has uh, he has hunters. So he, he's, he's a it's a topic he enjoys talking about. So people who hunt, basically. Uh, but he's also going to have a biologist. And then afterwards, he's going to have an MMA fighter. And after that, he's going to have uh, he's going to have an entrepreneur. And after that, a musician and a comedian and etc. And at the end of the day, uh, what I realized is that a lot of podcast listeners 
um, really, you know, just come and go. Like it's, a, it's, there's loyalty because um, you end up just listening to a few podcasts. Like you, you, people don't listen to 50 different podcasts, but uh, with the, with each podcast, you, you expect a sort of range of variety and different topics and different uh, stories and different things. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I forgot your question, but basically, <laughs> Um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I realized recently is that after this like six months experience, I need to diversify much more what I'm doing with the podcast right now. I realized, uh, especially doing this, this grunt work this week of going through like 50 episodes for clips, I realized that I'm inviting way too much practitioners, meaning like marketing directors and people like that, and a little bit of, uh, founders. And um, I need to diversify. So by September, I'm going to start recording a lot more with, uh, you know, consultants and specialists, uh, with people who, uh, you know, have stories to tell that are not necessarily like directly marketers or founders, but have a real like a cool story to tell uh, with people coming from sort of um, annex, uh, annex fields like, uh, you know, uh, artists, designers, psychologists, uh, things like that. Because I, I believe that you could get bored really fast and you, you can bore your audience really fast, um, especially if you produce a lot. Like I've published uh, two episodes per, 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 per week on average. Uh, and that's, that's a lot. That's a lot for a small podcast with a small audience. So people kind of like, hey, like I'm overwhelmed with content and uh, whoa, what should I do? And um, like, you know, you, when you go back to the podcast, because, you, because you, you're taking the road or you're cooking something and you say, Hey, I'm going to listen to that guy, but this, you, you check your podcast feed and, and you have like, uh, 10 new episodes and you're like, uh, okay, what's uh, what's the difference between these guys? Let me check. And you need to, you know, you need to build an inventory and a catalog that is wide. So you can touch all these people. And one last thing before I, I, I let you, um, maybe we can talk about something else, but, um, if you're doing the strategy, which is the main strategy of podcast growth, I think that anyone should do, which is turning your audio uh, episode into small clips and then publishing them on YouTube. Uh, you know, that's really the basic thing you should do. Um, you need to consider the, that YouTube library and it needs to be wide. Um, and but also it needs to uh, sort of, uh, so if, if it needs to be wide, well, you need a lot of different topics. So you need a lot of different types of guests that are going to talk about, little, you know, different things. Uh, but also at some point you need to consider, uh, what's actually working on that platform and sort of build depth into that. So this is why it's good to have, still have like, you know, maybe 10, 15 topics you go, you go, you come back to very often, um, and sort of build that, uh, that library, uh, you know, um, uh, vertically as well, like T-shaped sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and also you get bored. I mean, I would get bored if I just invited the same kind of people, like, um, you know, at some point you need to learn as well. And I use this as a tool for myself to learn and to meet new people and to engage with them. And if I'm listening to the same old story about a startup, you know, doing Facebook ads and sort of, uh, bullshit like that, uh, I will get bored and I will not do it anymore. So I need variety as well for myself. And this is where it's actually fun. And this is where you can keep building good content. It's when you're enjoying yourself as well. 100%. One, you, you mentioned YouTube and publishing clips on YouTube. Like the, the question that I had about that was, 
why start a podcast where there's so many limitations of you know not getting proper analytics and also like a far more limited audience than there would be on say youtube and why not just start a youtube channel as a, as a way to build your brand and as a way to build your audience instead uh that's a great question i have no idea i think <laughs> i think it's uh you could do both i mean uh but it's a great question. I don't know. It's uh, it's just fun. Like for me, the podcast format, it's fun because I like to talk to people for a while. Um, actually, it's really fun to be interviewed as well. Like I, thanks for inviting me. It's a different <laughs> exercise, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's totally different. I don't know. I mean, it, a lot of people do both. Like a lot of, uh, you know, f- famous and successful podcasts, they have, uh, you know, the interview is on YouTube anyways. But, you know, the, the, the different thing, I think with... Uh, with just doing content for YouTube and optimizing it for YouTube specifically is that, um, I mean, it's not like one has more advantage than the other or anything. It's just two different exercises. But I, what I mean, the difficulty with podcasts is that, as you said, there's no analytics and uh, it's really long form. Like when you have even a 40 minute interview, which is not that long, uh, which is the average actually um, of all you know podcast episodes, it's um, it's still a long, you know, watching a 40 minute video on YouTube of a guy just talking and like, uh, you know, in the classic format, like, hey, guys, I'm going to talk to you about this and blah, blah, blah. 40 minutes. I mean, you would kill people. Right. So uh, you need like you need something really interesting. Otherwise. So, you know, but the podcast thing is that people listen to it like on and off uh, at work, working out, uh, cooking, you know, doing the, you know, the dishes, whatever, like. Um, so it's an sort of on and off, uh, f- thing and, uh, the, 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 the podcast culture on YouTube, it's something actually that is, uh, um, yeah, it's quite a niche type of a product on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. but it is one of the main ways to grow it because such a long format that is, um, sort of enclosed in audio and video format. So it's not like, a uh, you cannot really easily turn it into a blog piece or, or, you know, count on sort of that SEO growth. Um, there's really only YouTube and uh, the podcast platforms to push your content. Um, otherwise, you probably just, uh, I mean, you could solve it all with just having a huge following and a, a big mailing list because, you know, you, could, you would get listeners anyway. Uh, but otherwise, if you're just starting from, the, from scratch, um, YouTube is really the place to go in terms of um, promoting that content. And this is what worked for Joe Rogan, for example. This is the only thing he did. He just took uh, every podcast episode. Uh, he got like one or three, uh, one to three uh, clips. Uh, sometimes it's just one. Um, and just, uh, you know, drops them on YouTube. And it's really well optimized. So I invite you to check my case study on, on, on join-implement.com to, to check the, uh, you know, how he does it. But it's really the only like growth tactic he's been using uh, ever. Uh, and you know, another thing I'm gonna I'm gonna also add to 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 your question: Why just uh, why do this format and not just YouTube videos? Is that you have also the power of having guests, and uh, that is influence marketing, but on the cheap, <laughs> because your guests are pushing your content, they're pushing your brand, they are like sharing it with their with their audience. Uh, you own their, at some point, I'm gonna say something horrible, but you kind of own their name, meaning that if you type their name, you know, people might end up on on, on your on your content, which is how, how Joe Rogan actually made it big with this podcast is that he invites people have, that have uh, even a little bit of following 
But at some point, uh, if you look, if you're a fan of that person, and if you want to want to listen to a long piece interview of that person, well, it's owned by by him. He he has it. So this is, this is where you're going to end up. So um, that's like influence marketing on the cheap again. Like it's it's something. Uh, really powerful and I've, I've met uh, a lot of people that are like supporters of the brand that uh, um, that, that that push the, the content and uh, um, and, and it's a, it's a great asset for you as a, as, a, as a podcaster it's you know forget about the, the making it with a lot of audience and having sponsors and things like that uh, which is something we can talk about as well the sponsorship side. Um, it's it's a huge asset for you because you build your network like you'll never do you know in another context which is what I did over the past six months I've met so many people uh, that I wouldn't have met otherwise so it's uh, yeah it's pretty cool speaking of all these people that you met over the last six months do you have any like notable uh, you know like notable memories of you know interesting people and interesting stories that you've heard in the last six months yeah sure um you know, interesting stories, interesting people. There's so many, like if I just, uh, I, I cannot say, you know, uh, that everyone is interesting because they are. So I have to start by saying that. Uh, but the truth is I've had, uh, you know, much, uh, much more fun encounters than others, of course. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it starts getting fun when I learn new things and I, I just like, um, either get into someone's life where I learn about what they did and like, I don't know, uh, uh, for example, a guest that started, uh, that ended up, you know, being one of the, you know, top uh, directors in his agency and it's a very large agency. And he got that, uh, basically, he started in that area just by because he was working in a pub and he met someone at the pub and he was like, hey, you're good with selling your, your cocktails and your shit, let's come and work with me. And uh, this is how we end up like uh, little by little being uh, sort of uh, an agency top guy. And, uh, and so uh, these kind of things are when I, I, I interviewed uh, recently uh, one of the co-founders of the, uh, the Jordan brand. So, uh, you know, the Nike Jordan brand. So he told me about how they started all this about marketing Nike, uh, you know, back in the, in the 80s and, uh, uh, you know, all, all the sponsorship with Michael Jordan and how they sort of build that, build that culture and et cetera. Um, I had, you know, someone who was running for vice president on a, on the on an independent t- ticket. So he told me about this campaign. About um, so, I mean, I could I could talk about this for an hour and tell you about all the the, the great interviews I had. But one of the things that I, I want you know listeners to understand is that you cannot have a hundred percent interesting podcast. Like at some point, um, uh, I mean, I did have people who really like blew my mind and I was like listening, you know, from the beginning to the end. But so at some point you need to, uh, to go to the interesting places. You need time. You need to work the conversation. And this is where the interview, um, the interview interviewer skills are important. This is where my skills as an interviewer are really important. And which I basically, you know, I had to learn everything. I never done this before. And I did make a lot of progress. So let's imagine that uh, on average, the ratio of the interesting part in a podcast is like 30%. So 30% of the podcast is really interesting. Um, and, you know, you need the, the 70%, the rest of it, well, it's just like, you know, people um, trying to like, like get to know, get, getting to know each other, getting into the conversation, warming up, 
just people pausing and be like, hey, uh, oh yeah, sure. Or just you know digressing or whatever. And so you have that 30% gold that you need to get to. Um, it, it's Which is the average, I think. Like on average, there's only like 30% gold in each conversation. Um, but to get there, Either you're a very good interviewer and you know how to get there fast, which you know you start becoming when once you do a lot of the of those, or you just have to be you'd have to be patient and you just have to work the conversation and be patient and 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 wait until you get to a point where like hey tell me more about that that side of things, oh okay uh, why uh, how how come tell me about it and then you end up with a story like wow this is amazing and um, and this is something that. And you need you need to trust the interviewer to to lead you there. You know you need that trust, and this is why there's a lot of loyalty with podcast listeners. It's because once you trust that you're gonna get somewhere good, uh, you know not everyone can can give you that. Uh, you have to you know there's only so many people who have that talent and, and can lead you there. Um, and sometimes you know it's hard. Sometimes I've had episodes where I'm like. Where the hell is this going? Like, I, I thought it was going to be good, but it's not. And you cannot predict it. I mean, you cannot like, uh, and you're going to have good episodes and you're going to have less good ones. But at the end of the day, who cares? Like people do not listen to every episode anyway. And if they get bored, they just drop and, uh, you know, listen to another one. Um, but yeah, you cannot, as, as soon as you invite someone else, you cannot guarantee how good it's going to be anyways. That was really, really insightful and makes so much, so much sense. Speaking Thank a little you. bit about entrepreneurship. So you've had a lot of entrepreneurship experience. Your first um, experience was at the age of 24 where you bootstrapped a six-figure business. And then yeah. you did that two times? No, um, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of experience, but uh, uh, yeah, I have a bit of experience. This is actually my second company. Um, so I started my first company, um, yeah, was, I was actually 24, 25. Um, and I started really working hard on it when I was at HSC. I was doing the, the same, uh, actually the same program as you're doing, Mayat. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was sort of, a, it started as a tool for lead generation and B2B, you know, lead generation and cold emailing specifically. Um, and it turned into a sort of agency um, and uh, that I, I kept on, on growing and managing for about two years. Um, so after, you know, uh, even after school. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a fun experience, but at the end of the day, I, I, I had, I think one of the worst, uh, it was one of the worst periods of my life, to be honest. Uh, it was fun because I learned a lot, but at the end of the day, I, I was really depressed and really unhappy. Um, especially, uh, so I, I was sort of trapped into the, this business. I was sort of trapped into it and, uh, it started well. I had a, I had a, I had two co-founders. But after about, um, you know, uh, eight months with the first one and a year with the second one, they kind of dropped on the, from the project and, uh, you know, we kind of separated. So I had to sort of go on with, by myself. And um, I wasn't uh, focused on the right things. I wasn't uh, sort of uh, happy with what I was doing. I wasn't really proud of what I was doing. Um, I just thought it was a grind and I, I had to like sort of sort of do it and uh, I wasn't fulfilled by that work so I, I, I killed the project which is really hard to do because it was my first big failure like I had a, I've had a you know a very otherwise successful sort of uh, uh, not life but sort of uh, yeah basic stuff like I was a good student I had a great uh, uh, you know good grades all the time academically i was really successful i was successful in my my 
friendships and my love life uh, and everything else. And uh, at some point, like you figure out that, oh, I can screw things up real bad. Um, I had I had people, some people working for me that I had to sort of fire. I fired clients. Um, I ended up sort of almost in debt. Like it was it was it was fucked up. Like really, I uh, and I spent like sort of uh, uh, almost a year, you know, a bit depressed and everything. And I I I had to do something. So I sort of uh, I ended up meeting these guys um, that were building an HR startup, and I and really clicked with them. So I started working with them. It was the uh, marketing director at the startup and uh and it, it, it sort of gave me uh, back my 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 confidence and I, because i you know when i failed the first time um and that failure it's it's really my own like it's not like the business was okay like the, the business model was not crazy uh, it was making money and uh, it could grow much bigger than than i thought but i i didn't have the right mindset um, and um, this is why I was I was miserable actually. So I, um, uh, you know, after after breaking up from from after after sort of you know tearing the project down, I yeah I was um, I was convinced I wasn't made for for this. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I and I would not like probably succeed in doing this. So I was like, hey, maybe you know I just get a job and, and do something else. So for about a year, I worked uh, for these guys. It's a company called Boosters. They're really awesome co-founders, uh, you know, much older uh, and, and more mature people, I want to say, not older. <laughs> if, they, if they listen to this, they're going to be like, uh, you're not old guys, you're just more mature. But let's say they're like in their 40s, uh, really cool, really cool guys. And they, they really like uh, boosted me up again. They, they gave me back my confidence. Uh, and then I realized like, I'm not done for, for being an employee anyway. So um, you know, I have the best bosses in the world and I'm still not like fulfilled by being an employee. So I need to get back there and into the, you know, entrepreneurship and, uh, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, having a lot of entrepreneurial experience, no, I, I wouldn't say that I have uh, three, three years of entrepreneurial experience and a little bit more like three and a half years or something. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it, it was a lot of work on myself. Uh, to in order to get to a point where I'm really happy with my work and I'm feeling uh, really fulfilled by it and I'm not like frustrated all the time I'm not uh, um, I'm enjoying myself I'm having fun like I don't give a shit about if it works or not I'm not like uh, you know as long as I have enough to eat and to have a roof over my head like I don't care you know what I mean this is where you actually get into a really sweet spot because you're not like pushing yourself and being frustrated all the time and uh, working in a business that you don't like and uh, with people you don't like. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Did you, did you always know that you were not set out to become an employee? Because you started a company straight out of college, right? Yeah, so I did a few... You never thought of like working a job like out of college like everyone else? Oh, I did. Was... I did, I did. So I, so I, I did quite, you know, I studied for a while. I did... Uh, so I, obviously I did my bachelor's degree and then I did two master's degree. And the first one was two years long and I, I did, a, I did it in economics and I was, um, I was in DC, Washington, DC. Um, and my dream was to work for the world bank there or the IMF, um, or, you know, being a big time consultant there. Uh, I was thinking about finance as well. I did a few interviews there. Um, but I, I quickly dropped the, the finance and econ career because I, 
I, I didn't really, you know, click with it at some point. And my, my wife, so Lucy, I met her, uh, I was already, you know, we were already together back then. And she was working in marketing and it sounded much more exciting than, I was, than what I was doing. Um, so uh, I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's try that. So I, I took uh, a few internships in, in marketing and I started working there. Um, and to be honest, like I never uh, admired anyone uh, during my time there. I never like looked up to people and like, was like, hey, I want to be that person in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, you are very, in- you're a very good person. You're very interesting. I really enjoy working with you. But if my life was like that in 10 years, I wouldn't be happy with myself. Like I uh, it's just not me, right? I, I'm not like, uh, and I realized also I wasn't really, <laughs> I was a very good employee. Like I knew how to please my boss, but I was not good at, at you know, uh, taking leadership from someone else. And uh, I, it was just too much, you know, effort for me. So, uh, but I have a lot of respect for, for you know, people who, who are, you know, have corporate jobs or and are really happy with it. And that's, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I could never be an employee. I'm not a slave, etc. And then they go and hire people. So basically you're telling your employees they are slaves. This is what you're saying. Um, but you have actually you do have entrepreneurs that are uh, very, um, you know, coherent in their position, like uh, the, the, the creator of, uh, of Stardew Valley. I don't know if you know this game, but this guy, he, yeah. he grew like such a huge game with millions of players and he doesn't want to hire anyone because he doesn't believe in hiring people. And this is like a coherent position. Like, um, you know, I wouldn't do to other people what I, do, I wouldn't do to myself. But anyways, you're providing uh, employment um, and that's, uh, that's great. Employment is, is, uh, is amazing, but it's just not, not uh, for everyone. And uh, I'd rather be poor financially, uh, regard, like, you know, comparatively to what I could earn in the, on the market uh, then, then just take a job. Uh, so that's also, uh, you know, a privilege, I, I guess I, I'm more privileged, privileged than, than most people, because I can do that. I can say, you know what, I'm not going to live with much because I, I know, you know, I have a support system. I know that, um, you know, if things go sour, like I, in France, I could get so much help from the, from the government. I will not starve and uh, my family can get like basic education and basic uh, healthcare. Like this is all coming from a place where I'm, you know, when you talk this way, some people just get a job because they, they need to get a job. And uh, that's that. I mean, <laughs> so, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's life. I mean, you, you need to provide. So, um, so yeah, to answer your question, I did have a few jobs uh, that I ended up really being glad of leaving. So I knew it wasn't for me. Really, really inspiring, actually. I also saw that you wrote a book. What was that? Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, so uh, that was what I did just right after I quit my job at Boosters, uh, and. I got married and we were like, what are we going to do with our lives? We don't know. So we left Paris. Uh, we were like, you know, if we want to really do what we want, then Paris is probably not the best place to be because it's so expensive. Um, so, you know, any saving you, you have is going to just melt like uh, like snow and uh, you need to, to be more protective of your income when you're an entrepreneur. Um, and so... I had time and I was like, okay, 
um, I I did a lot of work with my my previous uh, employer on differentiation, and uh, because they had they were in a market where there were a lot of players, um, and we had no coherent strategy on how to differentiate ourselves from from the others, and so we did this like huge. Uh, workshop uh, of like strategic workshop with like uh, all the founders and uh, it's like a 20 employees uh, company so it's not like uh, this huge company but still we had a, a few stakeholders uh, we had investors as well so we needed to sort of come up with a way to organize our product because it wasn't that well organized and sort of align it with the customer and align it with something that made sense in making us look unique in the market as well uh, and so I did that. And while uh, sort of uh, spearheading that, I realized there wasn't any good book on the topic. Like the topic of differentiation is, is really a topic that, you know, you, you have books, but it's going to be very academic. It's going to be like, uh, like top branding experts that uh, sort of uh, uh, tell you about, you know, all these things that are very high level. And I found nothing that was like, okay, your company is facing a lot of competition and you're actually, you don't know how to sort of get away from, from that competition and sort of build your own thing. Well, this is what you should do. There are five steps to this process. And step one is this, and step two is this, and you can do this with your team. And this, it's gonna be easy to, you know, if you, if you follow the workflow. So I did that workflow and uh, it's called Competitive Advantage Champion. It's a bit of a, you know, a not so humble title, but uh, I think it's, uh, it's where you get if you follow the process I described. And basically, there are five differentiation strategies I describe uh, from, you know, differentiation on, on the product side, on the marketing side, uh, niching um, was the, the other one. Uh, I can't remember right now. Anyways, uh, just buy the book. Uh, and it's, um, yeah, I, I've, I've actually had a few readers that, uh, that really enjoyed it. Uh, but to be honest, I haven't had time to promote it that much. Um, so, but I do, I do have a plan for it in the future when I, I do have more time. Um, I think it's, um, it's a great book that I would have loved to, to find when I was uh, struggling with, uh, with sort of steering the business, uh, back then. Super cool. And so aside from all of this, you also had time to be a guest lecturer at HEC because that, that's where I met you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was actually really fun. Like, uh, I'm, I'm. You know, I love Gashusha. She's uh, she's one of my she was one of my teachers back then. Gashusha Kretz, um, who is the sort of academic director of the, the master's program at HSC, uh, the marketing program. Uh, and yes, yeah, she she asked me to just give a lecture on the sort of cold emailing and stuff like that. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of cold emailing anymore, which was my business and sort of my bread and butter back then. Uh, but I think it's. Uh, uh, it's not the most interesting marketing you could do. Uh, so I tried to give a course on how you could do it, but you know, stay like human and, uh, and provide value and, uh, and just respect your time and, and other people's time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I love teaching. I, I really love doing it, but I, uh, I, I do it actually a lot, but it's, um, uh, it, it, it's it takes time it takes time to build a great course to to really add something of value um so yeah i, I hope you you enjoyed it for sure for sure and that and that brings us back to implement as well because implement also started off as like a platform for live courses so that's 
that's really something that you clearly enjoy doing a lot oh yeah actually i think i uh, you know talking about people you admire which is a very good way of knowing what you should do with your life just look at people you look up to uh you know uh, and we always we it's called the um I think it's called something like the MV list or something. People you envy, basically. You're like, hey, I, I, you know, this. I would love to sort of be that person. Um, and for me, um, I, I, I just love great teachers and people who, who inspired me by just providing me with great knowledge. And so I think that at some point I figured it out and I was like really inspired by people like Seth Godin or uh, people like that. And I was like, Hey, I would love to, to have this guy's life. I mean, it's amazing. He's just absorbing knowledge all day. And then, uh, you know, sort of, uh, giving his, his take on it and, and sort of providing it to people. Um, and this is how he makes a living. Wow. Like I would love to do that. Um, I actually thought about teaching at university, like more as a, you know, as a, as a full-time career, but as you know, I'm not that much of a good employee. <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, when I when I stopped my first company, I reached out to Gashusha and I told her, listen, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I feel like super lost and et cetera. So do you think I could be uh, I could like take a Ph.D. or something and teach at, at university? And then she kind of encouraged me. But at some point, like, I know um, I'm going to have a bad time just fitting in an institution, like trying to fit in, trying to have, you know, pleasing the boss and pleasing the people who are going to fund your research and doing all that bullshit. So I know now with the internet, uh, there are people making a living teaching others, uh, but in a different way. So this is why I spend so much time on the newsletter, on the podcast and uh, building courses. This is what I'm really excited about. Um, just absorbing that knowledge and, 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 and feeding it back to people. And uh, the, what I'm really most excited about is when I really meet with people that need help about something and and especially in my area of expertise uh expertise and i'm, I'm making you know air quote air quoting again but uh which is like marketing and uh, uh stuff like that i i i if i can help them i'm going to be super excited like i have a friend of mine that just uh sort of uh you know uh, quit his job and he's a uh, he's he's trying to, to sort of you know be become a you know start something else so he's kind of figuring out uh, what to do etc and I, I just love helping him i have a i have a neighbor who is uh who's who's an artist and he's doing like this beautiful sculpture and everything and he's like um i, I need your help so i I'm, I'm trying to help him to structure you know a content strategy and uh, and uh, get his brand out there etc so this is where I feel I could do it for free and be happy with it. So this is where you have this, the sweet spot, right? It's uh, uh, so yeah, I do love teaching and um, yeah, it's it's really fun. Super cool, Baris. That's uh, I mean that's all that's all on my end. This was an extremely inspiring and insightful conversation. Honestly, like when I think about a podcast, this is a podcast I would love to listen to. You know, so, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Alice really and Lydia, fun. do you guys have like do you guys have any other questions that you want to ask or any other comments? Because I'm a fan of your podcast, it was really amazing. I really love it. So I think you really do you are doing a very great job. So thank you. Thank you so much. Really yeah. uh, it's, it makes my day really. <laughs> and also, by the way, because you mentioned before you start like your podcast and also like your startup with your wife. So as I'm so jealous, like your relationship, like your your love relationship. 
And also, I really heard like people say, don't start your own business with your best friend and with your lover. So <laughs> I'm really wondering, like, how can you deal with this relationship and how, like, get along with your wife during the working or during your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great question. Uh, and actually, I'm getting a lot of um, questions about it because I, 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 I love, you know, sharing uh, this experience. It's a... Uh, Frankly, it's uh, it's it wasn't easy at the beginning. Like uh, we were arguing a lot, and we kind of you know the work self and the and the the house self, like the private self, are two different selves. Like are two different people. I'm not the same at work than I'm at home because it's not the same stress level. It's not the same uh, you know issues, and um, so we we kind of had to meet each other at a different level. Uh, and uh, and and just like colleagues, we had to impose certain rules and and address each other in a certain way. Uh, but it's not always easy. Sometimes, especially when you're married and you're, I've been with Lucy for ten years now, almost ten years. It's uh, it's like, uh, well, I for example, you're sharing an idea with me. I don't really like it. Uh, with a colleague, you would say, well, listen, let's let's put a pin on that. <laughs> Let's let's talk about it next week. You know, let's let's do a meeting, and then you'll try to kill the idea, right? Uh, but with your wife or with her, with herself, with me, she will she'll be like, well, I don't really like it, <laughs> and you just have to deal with it, and uh, and it it hurts, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, so this is where you need like to impose certain rules and to be really careful with the the other person's feelings, um, and and so far we didn't have like massive arguments that we that were unsolvable um, and the more we work together the less the less arguments we have because we learned how to divide the work which is really where arguments uh, you know come from and it's the same with the if you have co-founders or if you're working with anybody really um, who is responsible for what and do you have trust in them to fulfill those those responsibilities because if you trust them with those responsibilities and you really divide the work well, then there shouldn't be any conflict, right? Like you take care of this. I take care of that. I trust you to do a good job. You trust me to do a good job. And it ends there. And uh, it's really where, uh, you know, I think the, the most important thing. And, uh, and I think most of, uh, you know, if I compare this experience to my previous uh, business partner's experience, which, you know, didn't end well at all. Like I'm still friends with, with one of them, but it, with the other one, it didn't really end well. It's because we weren't aligned on many things and we didn't communicate and we didn't uh, share the same beliefs and the same vision for what we were doing. Um, you can't really have that with working with your spouse because at the end of the day, if there are things that are not uh, 100% agreed on, you know, it's going to come up at dinner or it's going to come up at some other place and you're going to have to deal with it. There's no like running away. Whereas if you're working with a business partner, you could just, you know, pretend for months and months uh, to, to, for example, and, and actually, you know, deep down, you're not agreeing with, with what's going on and you, you don't, you, you're not sharing the, 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 that person's values. Um, and so I think it's actually really powerful when you're running a family business, especially if it's done with respect and done with everyone has his job and everyone respects each other. It's so powerful because you cannot run away from any argument or from any, from any, there, there, ha there needs to be harmony. Otherwise, it's going to show at breakfast. Okay, like uh, I'm going to be like uh, like this, and she's going to be like this, and we're going to have to talk about it. Um, 
So I'd say it's uh, it's scary, uh, but you know I shared I shared um, a, a bit about working with with your spouse on Reddit recently, and I have a lot of comments on Reddit of you know people saying, uh, well uh, you know good job great for you etc. I would love to do this with my spouse as well. And I also had a couple of comments of people were like I've been working with my spouse for ten years and I actually hate it, and I'm like uh, okay. You know, like I'm sorry to hear it to hear that, but you know, it's it's not something you you need to do. It's not you can test, you can try it, and if you don't like it, well, stop. I mean, uh, you you can still stay married, and uh, and you know, uh, you don't have to break up or anything. Uh, but in our case, it's uh, it's really fun. It's really fun uh, because I don't need to worry all the time about things that I used to worry about with my business partners, and I don't need to, uh, you know. Uh, it's it's much more more natural, and when you think about it, for centuries, for millennia, for for, for so many so much time in, in our in our human history, uh, couples used to work together. Like there is no there is no running away from it. You run a you did run a farm or had a you know uh, uh, or, or whatever. Like even if you were nomadic people, you you were running the business together. There was no like there were no jobs. So this culture of having a job and each one and the family being divided. Uh, it's it's really the industrial area that that that, that brought it, uh, but it's not something uh, that natural if you think about it. We we have a household and people used to work together. They were in the farm, they they raised the kids, and they you know uh, maybe one of them took care of a, a part of the of the work and the other one took care of another part. But at the end of the day, they still sort of you know brought brought home the bacon together and uh, and shared that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's really cool on a personal level as well, because we can travel anytime we want. We can take vacation together. Uh, we can, you know, arrange on things in our personal lives that uh, together, which is really cool. Actually, I, I was uh, really enjoying your experience sharing. And um, I, I'm kind of curious, like you mentioned, uh, you had an entrepreneurship uh, experience before and then you struggled for some time and figured out what kind of person, what kind of work you want to do. And then, um, so do, do you feel any difference like for your current business when you're doing running it um, compared to your first uh, entrepreneurship experience? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, so many, so many differences. Like it's day and night really. It has nothing to do with, uh, with my first experience. Uh, first of all, because I'm working with people I enjoy much more. So like uh, I did enjoy my, my ex-partners, but I didn't get married with them. So it's, it's, very, it's very different. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the second thing is that what you're selling and what you're, you're fighting for and what you're trying to do as a, you know, it matters a lot. So I, I think I could make a lot of money selling toilet paper. Maybe I could but I wouldn't feel happy selling toilet paper because I don't care about toilet paper and I don't care about people selling, uh, buying toilet paper. I care about my customer much more right now than I ever did before. So even though, you know, uh, uh, maybe there's less opportunity, I, can, I could have, a, you know, that sort of entrepreneurship mentality where I'm going to look for opportunities and sort of, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that way, you know, they're, they're like really more like financial managers than anything else. They see an opportunity, they sort of build a, build a product, they, they raise a bit of money and they go and they attack it like they would attack anything else, like, uh, you know, just without any sort of emotional connection with what they're selling. I'm not about that at all. I realized that I'm not that person. I need a connection and to be happy every day. I need that process of learning and then 
spitting out uh, content and knowledge to other people. And if I'm not doing that, uh, I'm not I'm not fulfilled. I could make millions and I will not be fulfilled. I will I would I would just hate it. So yeah, it's very different for those two reasons. I I I love the people I work with and I love the mission and what we're selling. Um, so I have I have uh, much more love for myself, which is very important because to be honest, uh, this is the only thing that matters. Is that uh, um, it should it should uh, you should have a lot of respect for yourself and a lot of love for yourself. Uh, and this is uh, what what being fulfilled by a job means, because a job is a job. You know, like nobody cares. It's it's a way to make a living. Uh, but if you if it if it if it lets you be more uh, happy with with the um, you know with yourself and and like yourself more and feel like hey I did this today like wow I'm such a good person. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but like I I you know I'm uh, yeah I'm I'm just. Um, uh, yeah, I just I just love doing this because I it, it, it gives me this sort of the yeah. I don't know how to say it, but I, I like myself a bit more every day when I when I improve uh, on what I'm doing right now, which is not the case before. Like in the case, uh, in the, you know, I, what I was doing before was selling cold emailing strategies and the software and stuff like that. I was spamming people for money like I was the king of spam. I, I could spam thousands of people. And uh, I was making money doing it, but I hated I hated the process. I didn't like what I was selling. I and I didn't respect that much my clients, and I didn't really want to help them deep down. So, so yeah, that's the difference. Like really, the people uh, being aligned with what you're selling. And at the end of the day, like you figure you figure you can figure it out. And and even if there's no like uh, specific business model for for the the niche you want to build, um, you you'll figure it out. Like it's okay. And uh, especially if, uh, especially nowadays, where you just need an audience to 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 get started, and um, and, and then you can sell anything. You can you can just uh, yeah. So that would be my answer. <laughs> Thank you. It's very uh, interesting because yeah, it's very important to find the correct person to work with, and also work for what you value for, not only for the money. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, super cool, Badis. Thanks a lot once again. I think, yeah, we're at the end of the podcast now. We can, you, we can let you go. <laughs> all right. All right. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Honestly, for, for, for us as well. It was, this was super fun. This was really, really fun. And I'm glad that we did this. And thanks a lot once again for agreeing. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy I could, uh, I could be one of your first guests. Um, and I, I really encourage you to, to continue with the podcast. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not easy to start, and uh, at the beginning you learn a lot, and uh, you'll get more into it as as much you know uh, as long as you keep doing it, you you'll you get better at it, and it's uh, but it's so much fun. Like really, keep on doing this, even if it takes uh, even if you do one episode a month, like it's still added value, and uh, and it just stacks up, and at the end of the day, you get up, you get something really nice if you if you just keep on doing it. So congrats on your project, and uh, and thanks for inviting me. And thank Thanks you so much oh, for coming today. Thank you very much for the sharing. And I really like what you said, like every day I love myself more. That's also, yeah, I think it's really, really nice. It's a great tradition awesome. again. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you guys. And, um, and uh, yeah. Thanks again. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye.